Shapers on Jazz FM. Listen in color. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. That was Take the A-Train from Duke Ellington and Count Basie. Good morning, it's me, Elliot Moss, here on Jazz FM with Jazz Shapers, the place where you can hear the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz, soul and blues, alongside their equivalents in the world of business, a business shaper. My fantastic business shaper today is Sarah Wood. She's the co-founder and CEO of the marketing technology company called Unruly. Any video online is probably there because they put it there. Lots coming up from Sarah very shortly. In addition to hearing from her, you will also be hearing from our program partners at Mishkondorea some words of advice for your business and on top of all of that a sumptuous mix of music from the shapers of jazz soul and blues including the staple singers Art Blakey and this from trombone shorty it's Vio Carré here on Jazz FM Trombone Shorty with Vio Carré. Jazz Shapers here this morning again with me, Elliot Moss, and my business shaper today who's joined me is Sarah Wood. She is, as I said earlier, the COO and co-founder, lovely big title at the co-founder, always like a co-founder, of the company called Unruly Media. And you may not have heard of her company, but you certainly would have seen many films that her company has helped place probably over the last few years. Set up in 2006, turnover of almost £20 million, 12 offices around the world. Sarah Wood, I was like, this is your life. Fantastic <laughs> achievement. Um, how did you come to decide you wanted to set up a company back then? Uh, I'd come out of academia. Uh, I was really enjoying being an academic, studying American literature and visual culture. But there were three reasons why I wanted to make the leap. Uh, one was personal reason. I just had my second baby. Uh, I was teaching in Sussex, but living in Hackney in London. Uh, and for anyone who knows those two places, it's a horrible commute. <laughs> uh, and it didn't feel great being so far away from the kids. So a p- very personal reason. Uh, when you run your own business, you have much more control over the hours you work, wh- where you work. Um, and although it can be absolutely uh, all-consuming, at least you can take the kids with you. Uh, then there was a professional reason. Uh, I really wanted to work somewhere where I could have more impact. Uh, and, and I was ready for a change. Uh, academia is, is an awesome career in lots of ways. And researching is my passion. Teaching is my vocation. And I still lecture at Cambridge University. Um, but I really wanted to do something that was a bit more agile and moved a bit faster and had more immediate impact and results. Uh, and then that's where the third reason comes in, the bigger picture. If you think back to 2005 when we were conceiving the idea of Unruly, there was a massive transformation underway. Uh, This was the social web coming into being. So we're going from the phase one of the web, the information highway. The information highway was becoming a two-way street. There were sites like Delicious, YouTube, uh, Reddit, Dig, lots of social aggregator sites where 
regular people were being asked to submit content, discuss content, share content. Uh, and this felt like a massive shift in the way we communicated with each other, the way we were behaving uh, as a society. Uh, and I really wanted to be a part of that change rather than being beholden to that change. And when you're working in academia in 18th century American literature, you always feel slightly behind the curve. Um, so it's a great opportunity to move right into the present and start looking into the future. Wow. I mean, I've asked them that question a number of times, but to talk about the personal, to talk about the professional and the big picture and not wanting to be beholden in a way to any of those in those things. Fantastic. But you I mean, it is a bit of a leap. You know, I, I was told I've been told this is true. You have written a book called The Broken Heads and Bloated Tales, Quixotics Fictions of the USA, 1792-1815. How does that happen? I mean, you, you know, you make it sound so seamless. I saw the big picture. I wanted control. And then I decided to go into the world of content and digital. What enabled you to have the skill and the capability to be able to do that, apart from going, well, that would be a really good idea? Because we all have those ideas, mm -hmm. don't we? But you did something else. So, first of all... Um a great company isn't founded or run by one person. A great company always has a team of people uh, running it. Uh, and I have um, amazing co-founders. Uh, Scott Button, our CEO, Matt Kirk, our CTO, uh, are both phenomenal people, um, driven, smart, visionary, uh, just the kind of co-founders that you want. <laughs> um, so that really helps. Uh, secondly, the skill set is remarkably similar. So when you teach, it's about inspiring people. It's about getting the best out of people. When you run a company, it's about building a team, teaching and inspiring them. Uh, and then some of the harder skills behind there, um, it's about research and understanding in our business why people share video. So what we've been able to do as a company is tackle the really difficult questions. We're not afraid of asking the difficult questions and then trying to solve those difficult questions with data and with rigorous, robust mechanics. And I think that's the academic in me. <laughs> and we're going to talk about the academic in you because it's a very important part of your success. Time for some music. This is Moaning from Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers. That was Moaning from Art Blakey and the Jazz Messenger. Sarah Wood is my business shaper. She is the woman behind, along with two other fantastic partners, as she said, Unruly Media, which is this fantastic idea of a company set up about seven, eight years ago, where it is essentially professionalising the sharing of content online, of video online. You mentioned, and we talk quite, uh, in, obviously, one would hope, articulately, intelligently about being an academic. That substance is rare in the world of new media, and it's no longer new. It is just the digital world. Do you think that academic, and you've, you've alluded to it in the, the, the way that your companies run, do you think that academic strain in your mm. business, and I've looked at your site and I've actually downloaded something from Instagram <laughs> not, not long ago um, regarding a, a, um, a big report you did, do you think that's made a big difference from your point of differentiation versus your competitors? I would hope so. Um, we're committed to building a data set and then to using that data uh, to derive actionable insight for our clients. Uh, and there aren't many of our 
competitors that have the same level of commitment uh, to research, to innovation, to asking the difficult questions, uh, and then once you've found the answers, thinking about how to apply them. Uh, at the same time, though, I think I'm really uh, has a real sense of fun. <laughs> so although there's a real serious side to what we do, um, the kind of content that we work with is the most entertaining content in the world. Uh, and we're so privileged to be working with the brands that we work with. Uh, we've distributed videos such as Dove's Real Beauty Sketches, the most viewed ad of all time, Everyone Roller Babies, which was the most viewed ad of all time. When you're working with content like that, and when you're spending each day watching video and analysing the reasons that people are sharing video, you, in, you come into work, you enjoy your job. So as well as being about data and technology uh, and really understanding what's going on, I think the playfulness of Unruly uh, is something that also sets it apart uh, and makes it a little bit different. People know when they come and see us in our social video lab, they're going to learn a lot, but they're also going to have a lot of fun. We're also going to have a lot more fun with Sarah with lots coming up from her shortly. Time for some travel news uh, in a couple of minutes. And before that, some words of wisdom for your business from our programme partners at Mishkondorea. Hi, I'm Joanna Blackburn and I'm head of the employment department at Mishkondorea. Today I just want to cover a few points that small employers might need to think about when dealing with employee problems at work. There's been a lot of talk in the press recently about changes in legislation relating to the ability to dismiss employees. Uh, proposals put forward by Adrian Beecroft with the idea that uh, small employees and micro-employers may be able to entertain the idea of no-fault dismissals of employees. In fact, the government's not going to be pursuing that idea but it does give rise to a common concern for employers about how they manage their staff and particularly how they manage dismissals. Employers often think that dismissing employees is an extremely difficult process, one fraught with cost and expense and needing a lot of involvement of lawyers. In fact, that doesn't have to be the case. The most important thing for all employers to do is to actively manage their employees. Be honest when the employees are not performing, pick up those problems and discuss them with the employees and record those conversations. The difficulties arise where there have been problems with an employee for quite some time that have not been raised with the employee and not been documented. In fact, for all employers now who've employed somebody after the 1st of April this year, the position is that the employee does not have unfair dismissal rights for two years. Employees uh, employed before that date have rights after a year. But that's a pretty long time in which to assess whether or not an employee is making the grade. And if you decide within that period before unfair dismissal rights kick in that the employee isn't going to work for you, getting rid of them is actually pretty straightforward as long as there are no other complicating factors such as pregnancy or discrimination laws or whistleblowing laws brought into play. But even in circumstances where you may be nervous about dismissing an employee, having done your groundwork and having properly documented your issues will enable you to deal with the employee in a relatively straightforward way that protects your business and allows you to get on with business. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss. Every Saturday morning, as you hopefully know by now, I have an amazing shaper from the world of business. And if you've not heard the ones that I have interviewed in the past, then just go to iTunes, put in the words Jazz and Shapers, and you will find them all there. And they are really impressive, I promise you. On top of that, if you'd like to connect with us today, the Twitter handle, if you're using Twitter, which I hope you are, is at JazzFM. And I really do hope you get in contact. And we will try and get back to you. Sarah Wood is my business shaper today. She is the CEO and co-founder of Unruly. They are an amazing company who help you and me see 
the best content that is available on the web. And not just that, they help measure its impact and do all sorts of other clever things. Tell me a little bit about when you set your business up. You, you, you have um, a couple of partners. Mm. Difficult with three? Three partners in total, is that right? I mean, three's a crowd, isn't it? Um, three works really well as long as you're really clear about who's doing what from the outset. Uh, the great thing about uh, the relationship I have with my co-founders, um, so we have Matt Cook, who's our CTO, 20 years experience in building ad technology Stack, so he's you know, he really knows his stuff. Then we have our CEO Scott Button, um, who has great business now, commercial sense. Um, the great thing about them is they're very collaborative, very open, uh, and we're all very clear communicators. So right from the start, we knew who was doing what. Matt was doing tech, Scott was doing business, I was building culture, building team, and delivering the product. Uh, and that's straightforward. And as long as you keep the lines of communication open and you know you're all pulling together in the same direction, it works well. A trust, I think, is key there. Uh, the most important thing, if you're looking for a founding team is to make sure you're with people that you really trust, whether it's family members, friends from university, people you've worked with professionally before. Uh, having that real sense of concrete trust um, is key, especially when things go wrong. Uh, and things will go wrong. Things always go wrong when you're starting a business. So it's great to have a team there that you know you can depend on. And when things have gone wrong, um, I assume then you've rallied round. But do you argue properly? You know, in, in, in a really good partnership, it is a bit like the familiar, familiarity <laughs> that you get when, you're, when you really know someone, especially around your own family. Are they pretty big? Whoa occasionally or not or is it a bit more contained and manageable and professional uh, it is more professional um, and the funny thing is um, I tend to be quite emotional uh, and can be quite loud um, the other two founders are very rational very strategic very controlled very collaborative uh, want to talk things through at length um, so so the way that I've changed over are they men they, sound, <laughs> they don't sound like men to me they, they they're well mannered men good they, they are and they're very calm um, and the, the, the strange thing is you know, over time I think the three of us have um, have kind of changed our style slightly to accommodate each other. And also it's worth mentioning there's not just the three founders. We have a broader exec team now. Um, so we've brought in all kinds of other personalities uh, and we've got a real diverse team, both in terms of male-female split, uh, in terms of discipline, background, uh, and in terms of personality type. Uh, and I think that's really important. You want a real melting pot uh, of, of abilities and temperaments if you want to have good discussions and make progress. A ask the difficult questions, answer the difficult questions. Stay with me for more from my business show today, Sarah Wood. Time for some fantastic music. This is one of my favourites. It's Mr Big Stuff from Gene Knight. <laughs> That was Mr. Big Stuff from Gene Knight, and iconic it is too. Sarah Wood, um, we've been talking about your, the, the nature of partnership uh, and the like, and it sounds like you're all very well mad. That diversity point that you mentioned, um, that sounds like it's been a very important part of your business, either intentionally or, or not. Do you think that the female voice at the top table has made a defining difference to the business? Because we hear about, I mean, I interview lots of men and women, but mm. often, you know, um, my, f females talk to me in a slightly different way about the nature of leadership. Do you think it's been better with you there? 
Um, I'm, I'm not the one be, to ask that question to. If, if you can be objective, of course, about your own performance, but you know what I mean. Uh, I think we all we all bring different skills and talents to the table, uh, and I think whether it's it's not about gender really for there. It's about performance and it's about temperament. Um, you know, I'm a feminist and I'm a very proud feminist. Um, but do I contribute to the business because I'm a, wo- I'm a woman? I'm not sure. I contribute to the business um, because I have a strong perspective, uh, love to build things, love solving problems. Uh, and everyone who comes to really will share that same passion and the same vision. Uh, I guess uh, one thing that helps here is thinking about the company values. So very early on, we were able to formulate our values, which helps us to decide how we want to behave, the kind of company we want to shape. Uh, and they are share the love, embrace change, deliver wow. So every day when we come into work, we think, how are we going to deliver wow today for our clients? What are we going to do to really knock it out of the park? How are we going to embrace change so that we can compete in a rapidly changing media environment so that we can be the first to innovate and come up with great ideas? And then how do we share that back out to the community through uh, whether it's through pro bono campaigns, through match giving with our staff, uh, through hosting a pop-up university upstairs in our clubhouse. There are lots of ways that we can share the love. And, and, I, and I want to pick up, sorry, I want to pick up on one particular thing around creativity. I was going to ask you the question around innovation. How do you innovate? How do a group of people actually sit down and start to break the rules and mm-hmm. in behave in an unruly yet organised way mm-hmm. to, to, to obviously use the, use the name of the company? Because innovation is the holy grail, isn't it? Especially in an online business, but actually in all businesses. What is it for you that makes it work? Data-driven creativity is key. Uh, So whenever we're we're innovating, we make sure we have the figures. Um, We have the stats, we have the conversions, um, we we know the market. Uh, So it's about collecting the data in the first place. Um, Then it's about having a safe place to think. Uh, So our workspace is very friendly. We have giant kitchen tables. And the kitchen table is the most important piece of furniture I've ever bought. Uh, And every day I see people sitting at those tables, discussing, thinking through ideas, not brainstorming, but just talking. And that's where ideas are born. We'll have our final chat with uh, Sarah today. Plus player chat from Donald Burden, a great one too. That's coming up after the latest traffic and travel here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. That was Falling Like Dominoes from Donald Bird. Sarah is with me just for a few more minutes. Um, and Sarah, we were talking about innovation and we were talking about your values. Agility, uh, I believe, is also another important part, another important ingredient in the recipe for creativity. Tell me a little bit about what, mm. what agility means to you. Um, so we're working at the intersect of the three fastest growing trends um, in, in digital marketing. Video, social, mobile. Things are changing incredibly quickly um, and we want to be the ones leading the change. So for that to happen, it's important that we're agile as a whole company. So we mean agile both in terms of uh, programmatic development. So our developers follow agile methodologies. It's actually called XP, extreme programming, uh, which is an extreme flavor of agile. It's going to be an Olympic sport one day. (laughs) 
<laughs> it already is over in Brick Lane. Uh, and this means that we uh, plan every two to three weeks. We have a very rapid product cycle. Uh, we get feedback from other stakeholders within the company and also external stakeholders as well, such as clients, so that we can always be reprioritizing business needs uh, and making sure we're responding to the landscape. And then Agile is about a collaboration. It's about communication, simplicity, respect, feedback, um, all these values which shape not just the way we develop products, but the way we roll them out to our clients uh, and the way we treat each other as a company. This all sounds incredibly sorted. I mean, seriously, you know, I I talked to lots of people about business and best practice, but you're kind of doing it all. How do you find the time in between managing clients, in between creating proper data, in between developing software and so on and so forth to live live the values in such an Mm -hmm. all-in-company encompassing way. We have a games room in the basement, <laughs> which which helps us relax. <laughs> so we, uh, how do we live the values? Um, you just, I think you can only live the values if the values are real. Uh, and it's about being authentic. Um, um, I think that the Oscar Wilde quote is the best one of all. He always says, um, be yourself, everyone else is taken. Uh, when we formulated the values, the values are true to who we are. So it's not something that is forced. It's just something that comes naturally. And then the people we hire we hire for those same values. And the values in the extension, just before we go to your um, your choice of music, the values, as you extend them into the community, are really important to you as well. You, you touched on pro bono. Just give me a quick sense of the sorts of things that you do that, that impact society positively mm-hmm. outside of your own office and your own clients. I think we're all aware that there's a digital divide uh, and it's growing wider uh, and it's going to be very pernicious to the British economy and to culture in the long term. Uh, and the divide now is between people who have access to technology uh, and and those who don't, between people who feel comfortable wielding that technology and the people that don't. So what we do at Unruly is try try to broaden the net and help as many people as possible um, feel that they can be part of the digital revolution. Uh, The way we do that uh, in our HQ here is we have uh, a university upstairs. It's called City Unruly University. It's a pop-up uni. Uh, It's specially designed for entrepreneurs uh, and people, budding tech entrepreneurs, people from the local community who are interested in growing their own business business or bringing a digital aspect to it. Uh, We run courses in conjunction with City University, uh, with the academics from that institution. So it's an incredible mix of practitioners from the business world, entrepreneurs who are already doing it for themselves, combined with academics who have the rigorous thinking and the theories. Uh, And then we we help advise and mentor young entrepreneurs as they're starting out their journey. That's fantastic stuff. Just before I let you go, what is your song choice and why have you chosen it? My song choice uh, is a track from the Manhattan Brothers from 1953 um, with Miriam McKeeby, uh, Mama Africa, as the, vocal- as the vocalist. Um, it's called Baby Natasori. Uh, it's very upbeat and uplifting. Um, it knows where it's going. Uh, and it has a strong female voice. And I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, Sarah Wood, a woman who knows where she's going, she has a strong female voice, and funnily enough, so is her song choice. This is Manhattan Brothers, featuring Miriam McCaber, and it is Baby and Sorry, and it's a hard name to pronounce. Thank you very much. Here it is. <laughs> I was 
That was Manhattan Brothers featuring Miriam McCabe and Baby Natsuari. I hope that's how you pronounce it. The song choice of my brilliant business shaper today, Sarah Wood. What an intelligent woman, articulate, passionate, full of values and full of what I would really call best practice management, which is fantastic stuff. Join me again, same time, same place. That's 9am Saturday morning for another brilliant business shaper here on Jazz FM. Do stay with us, though, because coming up next, it's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.